Hello and welcome to the 13th Hour Podcast. This is episode number 374. I'm your host, Joshua Blum, and today we have one goal, and that is to finish this book that we've been reading from 1984, Dragonfall by Lee J. Hindle, and we have one chapter left. So, hey, let's just get to it. So, chapter seven. So, if you remember from what, what's happened, uh, the main character is named Gabe. He's an artist who makes these... Um, dragon sculptures and they're essentially coming to life i think <laughs> so we're gonna see how this book wraps up i don't know uh it's all been building to this that they're coming to life and they're they're kind of like talking to him making him feel like he's uh you know he's like becoming psychotic or something like that and uh they cause they seem to be causing him not only to feel afraid but also quite the sensation will kind of hit him and make him feel really disoriented or even cause a lot of pain at times so um, it doesn't seem like a very comfortable experience. So, chapter seven, all was sight. There was nothing else. There was no beginning. There was no end. There was nothing else. There was no sound, not any feeling. There was nothing else. All was sight. Novocaine shot through Gabe's hollow arms and legs. He had pushed himself back, shriveling against the screen of the television set. He was blocking the light, obscuring his vision of the figures in front of him, but he didn't need the light. Then a lamp was turned on. There, deep down, far below the surface, Gabe had known who was all along. Oh, yes. But he had refused any articulate thought of it. Refused the idea of it. But that didn't lessen the raw terror that pierced his heart again and again. He was awed. This should not be. York, Sid, and Hubbub stood in rough semicircle, their chests rising and falling with their furnace breathing. They showed teeth. Gabe blinked again, again, again. His hobby was alive and had surrounded him. Somewhere, sometime in one's life, one comes face-to-face, -face, or in Gabe's case, face-to-face, two-face-to-face, with something that actually pushes the brain to believe. It shoves and forces and drives the stubborn mind to accept whatever it is as something real and treat it as so. Gabe was trying his very best, but his best wasn't even close. His mind was a fluttering blank sheet of paper. He could not accept this. He, it should not be. The room was full of long shadows that lay on the carpet and leaned up against the walls. The muscles on Dragon's Three looked even larger now, bloated. Their shirts were gone, but they still had the crumpled shorts Gabe had picked out for them. Hubbub plowed down and made himself comfortable in the love seat. Gabe thought he heard him giggle. Sid was behind the big chair Gabe had been sitting in, his big hands on his back. York strode over to the back door, hands behind him, looked out into the frigid darkness. He turned toward the pale, upturned face of Gabe. A little jumpy, aren't we, father? His voice was deep and rich. Maybe I should do the voice, huh? A little jumpy, are we, father? <laughs> the, boy, the dragon approached, leaned down leisurely, and with the heels of his brawny hands, cupped under Gabe's jawline. He raised Gabe to his feet and let him go. Gabe fell back on the TV set for support, his left hand coming into contact with something, the beer mug. He still had it. Gabe gripped the handle with his white fist, as if he was planning to. Hubbub giggled. York came closer. Gabe looked into the bestial face. The face he had given him, the eyes blinked and glittered. They were so alive, the nostrils dilated, and Gabe could feel the hot air rush out of them. The rims of his mouth glistened with saliva. Saliva. He could not accept this. You're not taking this well, father, York said. It was almost a purr. Hubbub chuckled. Questions? Hmm? Gabe almost nodded, his eyes wide and glassy. Yes, questions to be asked, to be answered. The dragon's words came tonelessly as if it had just learned to speak. You don't believe what you see with your own eyes. Gable was nodded again. York gave a long sigh. 
His hot breath had a vile odor to it. It nauseated Gabe. Doesn't matter. All that matters now is we are here. They are here. We live. They live. The house. It is ours now. We have waited. Was it theirs now? You want to know why. This time Gabe did not. The laugh gathered somewhere in the far reaches of the dragon's throat and stayed there. A steady rumbling inside his shell. The rich suppressed laughter spread from dragon to dragon until the unearthly sound pervaded the living room and seemed to push against the walls. It was secretive, frightening, anticipatory laughter. Then it had dwindled to the low sniggerings of hubbub, then it stopped. York stepped even closer to Gabe, nailing the boy's eyes mercilessly with his own. For one harrowing instant, he thought he was about to get his face barbecued. The fire never came. You are our father. You brought us here. We gave you the chance, the warnings. Go with your family. You didn't listen to us. No, daddy didn't listen to us, Hubbub said with a tune. Does the daddy ever listen to his children? Sid hissed humorously. York's stare did not waver from Gabe's face. Time, our time has come. High time, Sid sneered. Gabe's grip on the mug handle tightened. You have to... York tensed, leave. You wouldn't stand in the way of it. Gabe's eyebrows flicked, quizzical. The surge, father, ours. Parched pause. We're taking advantage of the situation. Gabe thought he heard Hubbub smack his lips together. Hot blood was roaring in his ears. York inhaled and spoke. Deadpan finality. Our time has come. Your time has passed. The house is ours. We have waited. We gave you the... Ch Gunch! Gabe's fist had come around in a blurred sweep of the beer mug. There was an awful intimate sound of breaking teeth and sharp, shocked yip from York. Gabe bolted for the stairs. His ten-speed balanced on his back was between Sid and Hubbub. Gabe charged low past Sid, pulling the bike down hard. That slowed Sid up a precious instant, but the huge Hubbub was up and grabbing for Gabe's back as he reached the scares. Scares. He is scared. The stairs. <laughs> Just as Gabe hit the first step, he seemed to go into slow motion, taking cartoon leaps and bounds from no place. A sweet little tune popped into his head. Tick-tock, tick-tock, the mouse ran up the clock. The stairs were, were a ladder, and Gabe was pushing himself off the smooth walls, scrambling up, up. There were thundering yells behind him, ringing off the walls, and Hubba was almost on him, laughing. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Gabe had gotten halfway up the ladder. He knew that because he had passed the photograph of Mom's parents, then horribly, Gabe felt his kangaroo jacket being grabbed from behind him. Not going to make it. Hub had had him. Gabe's left hand went to his zipper and yanked, but he was already being pulled to a stop. He had to get it off. Tick-a-tock, tick-a-tock, tick-a-tock. Zip. He got it off, and Hubbub had a handful of jacket. Gabe fell forward, and he couldn't feel the stairs anymore. He was at the top. He screamed. His foot was on fire. He looked down. He saw Hubbub had his foot in his jaws, chomping and chomping. Gabe kicked savagely at the dragon's head again and again until he tore the foot free. He stamped down with his other foot, sending Hubba back. How far, I didn't know. Tick-a-tuck, tick-a-tuck, tick-a-tuck. Gabe raked at the shag carpet with his fingers, pulling himself up into the darkness. He crawled toward his room, but the door closed, and all of a sudden he felt drained. He couldn't get up, and at last uh, he reached his doorknob, or he couldn't reach his doorknob, rather, gaining on me. He knew Sid and York would be on him any time now, clawing, biting, ripping his pink flesh from him. Please, oh please, let me make it. I gotta... And Gabe found he was lying on his belly halfway inside Mom and Dad's bedroom. He clutched at the doorframe and dragged himself in all the way. He dared 
A look over his shoulder, and Sid's snarling face appeared at the top of the stairs, eyes aflame. Daddy! The, th <laughs> the thing screamed, coming at him. <laughs> uh, Dave banged the door shut and locked it. There was a sound of uh, a second of silence, and the door was smashed from against from the inside. Gabe plastered himself against the door, his whole body quaking with the beating of his heart. Hot, salty tears spilled on his face into his open mouth. Holy, 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 holy God, holy God, oh my God, Gabe shrieked through his clenched teeth. The door was smashed again, and Gabe was thrown forward onto his hands. I don't believe any of this. No, 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 I'm not this. No, I don't believe any of this. He was quivering, blubbering, a mess now. The hot blood racing in his head was deafening. Supper, the double-decker roast beef sandwich, the oranges and cookies were boiling inside of him. Gabe shut his eyes, his eyes, his head spinning. I think that was like his second supper, actually. There's probably a lot of food that's going to come up. There was no more smashings against the bedroom door. Gabe mashed his right ear against it. He could hear faint grunts and murmurings, then laughter. He guessed they were all up there now. There was a the sound of a door opening, then closing, then thumpings. One of them was going down the stairs. He wiped his wet face on both with both hands, and he listened again. Nothing. Then, Daddy, come out and play. Oh, won't you come outside, Daddy? I want to play with you. Come outside and play. We've been waiting all day long for you to come home. It was a vicious hiss, Sid. He was right up against the other side of the door. Abruptly, there was a barrage of noise. The floor throbbed with it, high-energy rock music. The stereo downstairs had been turned on and turned up loud. Gabe bit down on all ten fingers, shivering. His eyes shifted crazily. He began to giggle. What's a... What's... What's happening to me? To me? What? Crazy, crazy, that's it. Is that what it's like, crazy? He was really starting to lose it. He couldn't decide to turn on the big light in the room or not. He left it off. He moved over to the door that led to the small porch overlooking the backyard. He unlocked the glass door and slid it open. He looked over. There was no way he was going to make a getaway. Too far down. Too far. Hobbling from his aching ankle, he lugged Dad's roll-top desk to the front of the door and squatted in the far corner of the room, holding his stomach. He stared blankly at the blocked door. The smashings on the door started again, and Gabe knew this time they weren't going to stop until they got in. He was standing now, knees bent, fists clenched together against his pelvis. His eyes darted around, looking, looking. He scrambled toward the oak dresser, hot knives, stabbing his ankle and up to his calf, and yanked open the top drawer. He hurled out pieces of clothing, furiously praying that Tyler had put it back. The drawer was so deep. Come on, Tyler, come on, come on, don't do this to me. The bedroom door was snapping right off his hinges, and Gabe felt it in the far right corner. Yes! There it was, snug against a box of ammo. Oh, I love you, kid. He grabbed Dave's, Dad's thirty-eight pistol, flipped open the cylinder. He had something now. He had cold power. He dumped a little box of ammunition upside down on the dresser top, and bullets rolled everywhere. His fingers were icy and next to useless. A green fist punched through the door. Gabe fumbled with the bullets, flicked them into the chambers. Wide-eyed, he limped over to the open porch door. He had never considered suicide, but if the bullets couldn't stop the, drag the dragons, he'd rather take a flying leap than be grabbed and eaten alive by those monsters. My boys? He stood at the entrance of the porch. Frigid winds whipped in, making his teeth click together. A shiver rose inside of him. He held the hunk of jet steel in both hands, trying to find the best grip. Dad had purchased the weapon a little over a year ago and had taken Gabe to a shooting range twice. Gabe had always scored higher than Dad at the range, but he never thought much of it. Now, when he really needed it, he couldn't even hold the blasted thing right. Crack. Sweet Jesus, help. A tiny moan came up with his breath. The door was buckling open, green claws clutching, jostling Dad's desk. They would be in the room in seconds. He could see their burning eyes. The bed was between Gabe and the doorway. 
that would give him uh, time to aim and get off a good one, maybe two. Gabe wanted to shoot and shoot and shoot more, but he waited. He had to. For one twinkling moment, he felt all-consuming impulse to give up. Just throw the gun away, fall on the floor, and curl a little ball and just give up. Kaboom! The dust came crashing down and the door erupted into flying chunks. The high-energy rock music filled the room. His guts constricted. I don't want to do this! I don't want this! Bellowing victoriously, Hubba bore down on Gabe, arms up, stretched, or outstretched. Froth streaming from his open mouth. And he had something in his big hands, a steak knife and fork. <laughs> Jesus. He kept on coming, even when Gabe jerked up the shiny thirty-eight. He tugged the trigger back. Ka-chow! Wide-eyed, Gabe watched the slug go awry and whack into the plasterboard in the far world. The dragon did not stop. Ka-chow! A second slug nicked Hubbub's shoulder. Pieces of hide flew. The dragon did not stop and gave a little cry. Ka-chow! The second slug punched through Hubbub's flaming left eye and tore into his skull. And the dragon stopped. His victorious roar yanked up and to an unearthly screeching noise. He rolled his face again and plunged to the floor, rolling, bucking. The scene horrified Gabe, but he did not have to... He didn't have long because Sid was coming up fast. Madness. There was no time to think. None at all. It was all go, go, go. The explosions from the pistol that numbed his hand uh, had numbed his hand. He was fumbling again. Sid sailed low over the bed. The gun seemed to have taken on weight and Gabe couldn't get it out fast enough. The dragon hit him with a prairie, like a prairie freight train, slamming the wind out of him and picking him off his feet. They were going over, over the railing of the porch and into the cold, clear air. Gabe reached out for the railing, missed, but grabbed hold of the edge of the porch itself, and so it Sid. Gah! His arms were nearly wrenched right out of their sockets, and everything felt ripped, but he had grabbed hold. The two of them hung there, chest heaving. Gabe held on with both hands, the thirty-eight still on his right index finger. He looked over at Sid, who looked back with seething hatred in his eyes. Cool droplets began to sparkle. Shutting out the unending drop uh, uh, beneath him, Gabe tried to gain a better grip on the wet porch. He saw he was going to have to do something fast because Gabe was, Gabe, Sid was rapidly making his move. The beast had dropped to one powerful arm and was swiping at Gabe with the other one. Sid tried it again and again, but Gabe kept pivoting his head just beyond his grasp. Sid started to slide over, coming closer and closer. Gabe felt the warm tears well up in his eyes. Not fair. It's not fair. Sid had all the triceps and biceps, and he could stay up there all night, but Gabe only had thin arms and was already slipping. He started to cry out in great, heavy sobs. Sid was very close now. The dragon snapped his teeth together with a resonant chomp and dropped easily to one arm again. This was his last swipe and Gabe's very last chance. I love you, Daddy. wonder who says that. That must be Sid. Or maybe it's Gabe. <laughs> I don't know, not really sure. Visibly relishing this, um, Sid reached out for his prize. The eyeballs, the whimpering boy, drop, dropped to one arm also and brought the pistol up, but his vision had blurred by the rain. Sid had him. The weapon thundered and took itself free from Gabe's white fingers. He shut his streaming eyes, swinging by one arm, waiting for Sid, for Sid to... He opened his eyes. Sid was gone. Gabe gaped downward. He could make out the monster lying sprawled in the backward... A backyard lawn, his left leg tucked under him. There was a big black hole bang in the center of his chest. I think he's got like two rounds left. Gabe brought his uh, free hand up and grabbed the porch. With raking efforts, he hauled himself up halfway and wedged one knee between the railings. He stood unsteadily on the rim and twisted over safe. He giggled hysterically. It was a shrill sound. He hollowed 
or he swallowed, rather, and something came up tart, burning in his throat. He opened his mouth, drank in pellets of rain, and looked down again. He couldn't spot the thirty-eight. Oh, he dropped it. Uh, gay arms crossed across his chest. He turned and went slowly through the bedroom, stepping around the mobile form of Hubbub. Dad's desk was thrust inside, the roll cover crunched, the drawers had fallen out, the contents scattered, pieces of busted door crunched under his feet, and the music from the family room downstairs rocked on, pummeling his brain. Trembling openly, he balanced all his weight on the good foot, or his good foot, and leaned against the door frame. Then he went wooden, staring down the hallway at the line of light underneath the closed floor of his bedroom. York. Gabe backed up rigidly into Mom and Dad's bedroom. Petrified, he was expecting York to come storming down the hallway any second, and this time Gabe didn't have a, have a door. He didn't have a gun. He needed something, and he needed it pronto. His eyes fell on Dad's overturned desk and spilled contents. Keeping a jittery watch on the black mine shaft of the hallway, Gabe kneeled on the carpet. He sifted through the endless pencils, pens, hotel matchbooks, junk, junk, and even more junk until he found it. Its original luster was gone, and the blade was bent slightly in an angle. But it was still, it still held a keen point. It was damn straight enough. Gabe clenched the stainless steel letter opener in both hands and left the bedroom. Pressing himself up against the right wall, he shuffled heavily down the hallway. The rock music increased sharply as he neared the top of the stairs. He halted, holding the letter opener against his sternum. The point piercing the air. His eyes flitted back and forth, no sign of York. Don't come out. Come out. Wherever you are. He looked anxiously as his closed bedroom door and the filament of milky light that showed beneath it. But if York was here, what was he doing? What is he doing? He jettisoned the curiosity. It didn't matter. All that mattered was getting down the stairs and out of this live-in nightmare. The stairs. The stairs were everything. He started for them, then paused. His eyes were unhappily, went unhappily to his door. He had to know. What is he doing in there? Something of such importance that he would let Daddy get away? He had to know. It became a necessity. Standing there, he felt coldly exposed. He tightened his grip on the letter opener. It was the only security in the world at this moment. He stepped toward his door. He raised his left hand to the copper-colored knob. The act felt generally weird, foreign. His twitching fingers wavered, then closed around the knob, and that's when the rock music died. Silence. He remained stationary, rooted where he was. His eyes flicked to the stairs, and then his head reluctantly followed suit. He glared fearfully down into the darkness. The stereo was silent. It had been turned off. Or maybe it was a cassette tape, and it finished. Yeah, it was a tape, and it ended. Right in the middle of a song, though? He buttoned down an insane giggling urge to scream. He held his position as if waiting for York to come, crawling up the stairs, coming for him step by step by. Gabe took the chance and in one brisk movement, twisted the knob, swiveled inside, banged the door shut and locked it. He brought the blade high and his mouth dropped open. His room was cleared. Everything, his bed, dresser, desk, bookcase, drafting table, had all been brutally shoved into his closet. It was quiet in his room, a dusty quiet. The only light came from his Ford Model A desk lamp. It was on the floor where his desk had been. The shade had been knocked off. The naked bulb created an eerie light. Gabe inhaled. The room smelled. It smelled old, as if it had been here for a very long time. And it felt it felt cold and dark, almost like a cave or a lair. Parallel with the far wall where his bed had been, there was an ironing board, and it had been it had an occupant, although covered with a white sheet from his bed. Sitting on the floor to the right of his board were a box of dragon supplies. The tops were flipped open, and the materials inside had been mixed around as if someone just had been using them. Smartly tacked to the wall were two full-scale diagrams of the original Holden Dragon, and over all of this was the word, crudely, almost savagely scratched, 
no, not scratch, but furrowed through Gabe's outer space mural and into the wall. Surge. Oh, God, no. Silvery white uh, water, or silvery ice water, la laced through Gabe, beginning at his scalp, running down his bare arms, uh, speeding to his legs. He was numb and heavy. A peeling back of paper in his mind, four tight walls of an office, the face of an old woman, dripping smile, Valerie, the surge, Gabe, the surge. His eyelids fluttered as if trying to clear away the image before him, but it was still there, dug into the wall. His eyes rolled up and down until they fixed on the air on the still shrouded shape of the ironing board. He did not want to see what was under that sheet. Running started to sound like a sterling class A1 ID again. He had seen enough. No, he hadn't seen enough. It will never be enough. Not until he shoots the works. Not until he goes all the way through this. Not until he sees under that sheet. Not that he didn't already know. Oh yes, he, the boy, was wise the moment he saw the ironing board set up against the wall. He knew. It was an act of confirmation that terrified him. It terrified him. Gabe's feet were dead slabs of beef inside his Nikes, weighing down his legs. He lifted them off the carpet and closed in. Shifting the letter opener to his left hand, he rubbed his clammy palm on his leg and uh, switched the uh, opener back to his right hand. Eyes swirled, uh, swelled in their sockets. He raised his left arm and pinched the top corner of the sheet between his fingertips. His heart was wham, wham, whamming against the inside of his neck and ears filling the small room with blunt drumming, picking up the tempo. Nostrils flaring, he brought up the steel letter opener in a quavering fist, took a firm grip on the sheet and yanked it back, revealing Gabe's breath quit in his chest. The ice water lacing through his veins froze, laid out neatly. All four limbs aligned with the edges of the board was the body of a particularly constructed dragon. The complete fiberglass skeleton was accurately positioned on the pad. The latex hide was stitched to both legs and the right side of the torso, leaving the left exposed. This gave it the appearance of a dissected cadaver. The left side of the fiendish face was also bared, but the wicked ruby eyeballs were already secured in the sockets. It was a death's head, glowering, smiling horridly up at him. Gabe's flesh was alive. His eyes darted up and down the form. He had willed himself back from the sight. What are they planning on doing? What are they planning on doing? His eyes studied the unfinished dragon. There was something about it, something vague. For one thing, it didn't have the robust bill of three other dragons. He was sure of it. Or was he? After all he had seen tonight, what on the spinning earth could he be sure of? No, there was something undeniably different about this dragon, something about the contour of the frame. It was rounded, curved, giving the dragon an odd aspect, trim, smooth, even soft. It was beginning to look, in every sense of the word, extremely and frighteningly, frighteningly feminine. Gabe found this deep, deeply disturbing. He wobbled back a step two, three, grimacing, denial. Denial became horror, horror rapidly became repulsion. Mental traffic accelerated, ideas, beliefs, sentiments, rape, rampantly intersecting one another. Surge. Oh no. Uh-oh, this is wrong. It's all wrong. No, it can't happen. No, I didn't. Surge. There's a SU is capitalized. No, no chance. A female, craziness, toys, just toys. They couldn't. Surge, S U R is capitalized. Please, please, it's not true. It's not real. Nothing is real. Not this. S U R G E. The S U R G is capitalized. No, impossible, impossible. They're just toys. No. Now they're all capitalized. No, no way. That's impossible. Can't. They can't. Gabe's right leg snapped up powerfully, slicing through the air and taking the ironing board with it. The incomplete dragon arched, sailing freely until it struck the left wall and shattered. Both arms 
and right leg breaking off and falling away. The rest of it crumbled to the floor as if the iron board smashed back down to earth, clattering still, and all was dusty quiet in the room again. Looking like a newcomer in the, to the scene, Gabe stood there, blinking like a child. Breath coming and going laboriously, he moistened the roof of his mouth. Fists still clenched, he wearily took in the mess. He looked down solemnly at the ruined dragon and propped up against the wall, pinned underneath the ironing board. He shouldn't have kicked it. It was wrong. It felt wrong. It felt insane, after all. It was just a toy, remember? A lifeless, inanimate thing, after all, after all. The demolished dragon's grimacing head was tilted to the left, gazing past Gabe, contemplating the ceiling as if it were making eye contact with, with a mate. A low liquid snarling beneath him, building into a rage. Gabe pirouetted crazily, eyes up, and everything clicked together in his brain. York wedged up in the far corner of the ceiling, all this time flying at me. Gabe ducked all the way to the carpeted floor. He felt the plunging dragon just clear his head and heard the crashing wallop when he hit the wall behind him and fell to the floor, thrashing. Gabe lunged for the floor, for the knob, for his life. He clutched at the knob, but something was wrong. He couldn't grab the knob in his hand. Nothing was working. The icy fingers were not his, and he couldn't get out, get out, get out, get the knob in his fingers. His nails were scratching flimsily at the wood around the knob, and he couldn't get any kind of grip on it. And here comes York. He clapped the knob between both palms and twisted, dropping the letter opener in the frenzied process. No time, no time. He spilled out of the door opening into the black hallway and made for the stairs. He whipped a look back to see, but if the but the dragon was right there. Howling, York slammed into him full throttle. Gabe caught the monstrosity in his arms, and for one second the two figures were airborne. Fused together, they crashed violently down the stairs, twisting and bouncing all the way to the bottom. Still connected, they ricocheted off a wall, and for a moment, they were doing the polka. The dragon's vile breath was so hot and sweet, it stu stuck to Gabe's breath, or face, rather. York's face was now a coiling, snorting horror. It wasn't York anymore, not Gabe's York. Straining to hold the dragon back with both hands, Gabe instantly realized it wasn't his York because his York was latex and foam and fiberglass. What he felt now was flesh. What he felt now was muscle. What he felt now was bone. Gabe shrieked. York's, York had a lion's share of his arm in his slavering mouth, and he felt as if his limb was already being ripped off. He felt like a picket fence was burrowing into him, shredding him, peppering the side of his face with his blood, his hot blood, and it hurt, it hurt, it hurt. Gabe pounded frantically on the side of the monster's head, lost his balance, and both of them toppled heavily into the living room. Gabe kicked out hard, heels first, at York's side, sending him further into the room. Gabe got up on one knee. A table lamp was in front of his face. In one moment, he tore the plug from the wall and swung the lamp down on York's skull. The monster hit the floor, but the lamp rolled off the dragon's head and out of Gabe's grip, rolling away. And now the green beast was rising and Gabe was falling, sucking in air. He reached back blindly for something to pull himself up with and the back of his head banged on a pole, the 10 speed. He scrambled manically back and took hold of the freshly oiled bicycle chain laid out in the newspaper in a perfect oval. Gabe was on all four nows, uh, looking larger than life. Gabe pitched forward mindlessly onto the dragon's massive back, looping the chain around the telephone pole neck. Gabe snapped back, uh, leaning with his full weight, and the harmless bike chain was now a steel garrote. Jumping to his feet, Gabe clutched at the chain around his throat, trying to work his hook claws under it, but it was no good. The thin belt of metal was secured, almost a piece of him. He whipped his huge head from side to side like an enraged bull, slicing at the air with his clicking talons. Gabe could feel the dragon's immense back muscles bunch up beneath his coarse pebbled hide, and in a shuddering eruption of movement, Gabe 
or York catapulted headlong through the back door, smashing the glass, and headed across the veranda into the backyard, but ba Gabe hung on. With a choking load on his back, York's, York stumbled and slipped in the drenched grass. His jagged mouth ga gaped open and his breath came out in long grating wheezes. The chain was doing it. This was it. This was for keeps and daddy wasn't letting up. Eyes bulging, the monster went berserk. York hurled himself down violently onto the sodden ground. All Gabe could do was hold onto the bike chain with his bloody fingers. The sharp edges of the links bit through the soft flesh of his hands. The two figures rolled over and over through mom's flower bed, slashing and shredding the delicate plants. York struggled to his feet, but then the dragon started reeling backwards and tumbled into freezing water. They crashed into Tyler's Mr. Turtle pool. The kiddie pool was instantly filled with a frenzy of slashing, lashing, grappling fury, coughing and sputtering. Gabe uh, hectically maneuvered himself up onto the front of the floundering dragon, twisting the chain around his tree trunk neck, retching it taut. He glared down into the monster's writhing face. His eyes, the eyes were ruby ice. The smooth, horrible mouth filled with jagged teeth snapped again and again beneath the filthy water. There were no bubbles. Gabe almost smiled. I'm winning, I'm winning. Then the brawn, brawny, knuckled hand broke the surface of the water. Gabe saw it coming, but there wasn't anything he could do to stop it. Massive fingers spread and closed around the boy's pulsing jugular. Gabe the firstborn was unstoppable, or York the firstborn was unstoppable. The fingers were steel bars and the arm... Beneath it was an iron beam. Gabe could feel the white-hot, pointed claws pierce the neck of his, the flesh of his neck. His whole being wailed at him to let go of the bicycle chain and rip the killing hand away, but he couldn't do that. He wouldn't have a chance then. Let go of the chain. He couldn't breathe now. York had cut off his air. He jerked the chain tighter. Let go of the chain. His mouth opened to a gag. He didn't know how much more of this agony he could take. He tasted blood in the bottom of his mouth. Let go of the chain. He stared down at his finger, uh, and the blood was mixing in with the oil of the chain. Then he noticed the chain wasn't tight anymore. It slipped through his greased fingers. It was back to harmless slack. Frantically, he gripped the links, pulling them taut again, but they were slick with oil and blood. Gabe made another effort, but slip, slip, slip. Then he stopped trying. He blinked, eyebrows uh, wrinkling. The mighty York wasn't struggling anymore. No movement to him at all. He was stiff. The decaying cover of coffee-colored leaves floating on the surface of the water had already closed in around his head. Gabe let go of the chain. His trembling hands went up to the claws, still around his narrow neck. He bent the powerful fingers back and dropped the limb. Gabe looked down at the rigid, silent form of York, then hobbled away from the waiting pool, hiding for the house. He was battered, bloody, and coated in clumps of mud. He gazed down at the uh, fallen form of Sid, and something shiny caught his eyes. Gabe's uh, dad's thirty-eight pistol. With many pains, pains, Gabe bent down to pick up the weapon from the grass. He tottered over to the veranda and took the steps like an old man. Hunched over, he limped sluggishly across the veranda and stepped into the muggy warmth of the house. A frigid gust of rain sprayed over him from behind. Gabe turned off the television and stood in the middle of the living room. There was silence, nothing else. All was still. He had touched his wounds. They were electric hot. But the horror wasn't there anymore. He had come through and he had survived. Then behind him, he heard the worst thing of his life. Father? York's hulking frame filled the backyard entrance. His eyes were sizzling blades. He was alive. Time, father. It's time. The words were acid. No, please, stop, please. He was alive and he was unstoppable. And he was coming for daddy. And there and so, too, was Sid, with a black hole banging in the center of his chest and hubbub, with three slugs in his face, was lumbering down the stairs, chuckling, and they get a steak knife and fork again. 
Gabe tried to back away, but they had him surrounded. York was coming for Gabe's juggler, and Sid was behind his eyes, and Hubbub was coming for his fried, golden fried ankle. Gabe curled his slick fingers around the handle and brought the pistol up straight-armed. He took the best game aim he ever had taken because he knew it was all he had the strength to do. A small muscle twitched in Gabe's finger, and he gently, almost serenely, squeezed the trigger. The gun exploded. York careened back with it, crashing into Sid, both of them toppling into Dad's recliner. Gabe reeled back, tipping over his ten-speed, and Hubbub was on him, knife and fork at the ready. The huge dragon took the last bullet in the mouth and flailed backwards. Gabe pulled himself up, clutching at the drapes across the bay window, but York was still alive and kicking, and so was Sid, and they were grasping and tearing at him from the floor. He brought... Uh, dad's gun down on their heads again again fighting savagely but the room was slipping away upward and he was tipping over only one hand left on the drapes and then he started to whimper because he could see hubbub crawling toward him thick white froth was bubbling over and he had his cutlery again he was laughing loud and gabe's drumstick legs were being eaten alive and the lizards the world over were roaring and he could see saint george shaking his head he was screaming for mommy and losing his head and being clawed and ripped and gripped and grabbed and pulled all the way down 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 and then the front door opened, and the Holdens walked in. All things stopped dead on a tripwire. Panting hoarsely, Gabe turned his bloody, bone-white face to the foyer. His eyes were round and barren. A wet shank of hair hung down over one eye, obstructing his view. Everything was a silvery blue smear of brush, and the picture came together, and it gradually sank into Gabe, just who they were. His family. His family stood there with two, no, three other figures in dark suits, policemen, all their faces were wrapped in puzzlement and utter shock, never to accept, never to accept what they had come upon. A sight of the filthy boy covered in blood, sweat, tears on his knees, his clothes shredded to tattered ribbons and surrounded by the gigantic sprawled bodies of hideous gargoyles was unquestionably bizarre and unexpected. But it was right there for everyone to see, so what was there to accept? The breathing under control, Gabe gazed down numbly at his defeated hobby around him. It had fallen away. He looked somberly at York. The dragon's head was cocked quizzically on the carpet, still glaring up at him. The eyes were back to their pale maroon. Gabe looked long at the others, reaching out to him with their wicked gnarled claws and raking up only rug. They made a supreme effort and failed, barely. The dragon's three were done. They had fallen away, mute, stagnant, never again to move. With a listless expression, he turned his attention back to the rigid configurations in the foyer. He was blinking like a little boy who had just woken up from a very long and very bad dream. One of them detached itself from the room and advanced. It was Mom, but she was doing the breaststroke in the air. Gabe rubbed his eyes with the back of his hand and saw he saw the thirty-eight in his sliced fingers. He let the empty thing drop and bounce. He felt clean, smooth hands on his battered face, and Mom was right there. He inhaled her breath, scent of her lipstick and her fading perfume. Anxiety crossed her face. She saw everything but understood nothing. Gabe found her tongue. He had to tell her, I won. He began to sway and reached out for her, smearing her raincoat with blood and earth. He was taffy. A warm drowsiness gushed down over and inside him, and it felt fantastic because he really needed the sleep. And now he could. Nothing else in the spinning earth was of more importance now. Just the sleep, just the warm, thick chocolates sinking. Outside in the steely cold, the rain continued. It drenched all things over and over as it came down in dense, glossy blankets in the absolute darkness. The sparrows clustered together grimly. They resembled... Carved wooden ornaments attached to the dribbling fence top. Their eyes were tiny, glittering chips of black ice. With what sounded like a whisper, the group of birds left the fence and whisked upwards. 
They were pocket-sized kites whizzing through the frosty atmosphere, virtually dodging the drops of rain. Then in silent harmony, the dark sparrows razored up, reaching for the boundless twinkling heavens, reaching, 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 and disappeared. And that is the end of Dragonfall. Lee J. Hindle, 18, was born in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. He currently lives in Alberta, Canada. Lee is the winner of the first Avon Flair Young Adult novel competition. Dragonfall was judged the best of 550 manuscripts written by teenagers, about teenagers, for teenagers. It was the 1983 Avon Flair Young Adult uh, novel competition winner. There you go. And it says, you can be the 1985 winner. We can, you can send something in. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a little late, but uh, well, anyway, that's, that's the book. That's uh, that's quite the ending there. Wow, it's total carnage. We never really did figure out how they came alive, but uh, maybe that's not the point. It's kind of like a you know sort of goes full horror movie style at the end. Perfect time for Halloween, I guess. Um, so we may read more books uh, of this vein sometime in the future. Uh, this was an, this was a fun one to read. I think it fit with uh, well Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. You know where here, there are three dragons here, they do come alive. So I think uh, just a few quick updates. Uh, uh, there's a couple of episodes coming up. There's uh, one with Jeremy Lesniak from Whistlekick. Um, there is one, uh, actually two, with another Jeremy, my brother, um, one on the movie um, uh, Lady Hawk, and another on the movie Young Sherlock Holmes. So those are all coming in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm still making some progress in the 13th hour action figures, and those are almost done pretty much, putting up the finishing touches on painting up those. So look for some updates those for there uh, in the future, and I will talk to you guys in the future. Hey, a few last things. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find many more like it on the show's website, 13thhr.wordpress.com, as well as on numerous other podcasting platforms like iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify. There's often additional material on various places on social media as well, like on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find links to all these platforms in the show notes for this episode. Sometimes people will ask me, how can they help contribute to the show or other things that I do? And you can, of course, uh, leave a tip over at coffee.com, which is ko-fi.com slash 13thhr, which is basically like a virtual tip jar. You can see a link to that in the show notes. But there's a lot of stuff that you can do just that's just for free and stuff that you may be already doing anyway. And so if you have ideas or suggestions, you know, email me. My email address is w-r-i-t-e-j-o-s-h-u-a-b-l-u-m at gmail.com. Also, don't forget, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you currently prefer and share it with your friends, leave a review, uh, listen to music on Bandcamp and Spotify. You know, I hope by conveying some of the creative process on this show, You'll also be inspired to do creative things and follow your own dreams and do whatever it is that brings meaning to your own life. The world really is what you make of it. And at the end of the day, that's what the 13th hour is about. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye.